Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. back. It's another Monday morning. This will not be a long one, but it might challenge some of you. I've received this question from, I think, two people in the last few months, and so I felt it needed to be elevated up and get in here. So, what is the calling of God? Does God call people? How does he call them? What does that feel like or look like? There is a, for some of you, that this is a very much a duh you know, of course God calls people, but you need to be aware that there is a substantial percentage of Christians who are very, very suspicious of any inner calling or supernatural event because these things cannot be measured. They cannot be quantified. They cannot be proven. Therefore, how do we know it's not just wishful thinking? I'll give you an example. I had a very good friend and he was a good friend and he's probably listening to this, uh, in which he goes, I, I use this story. He had this thing that bothered me, and that was he constantly talked about what God told him and what God led him to do. Now, why would that bother me? It, it's because it was everything. I mean, we'd go to the hospital to visit, you know, and, and oh, what a great spot. You know, thank you, God, for giving us this spot to park in, you know, and then Again, nothing wrong with this, but when it was constantly in there, one began to suspect that God was asking my friend to do what my friend wanted to do. And it all came to a head one day as he'd come to pick me up and I walked out of my house, looked down and I went, wow, that's a nice car. Now, I like cars. You know, I drive just a normal uh, Hyundai Tucson. It's got 18 months, uh, I bought it 18 months ago. It has almost 45,000 miles on it because of our welcome home tour. If you don't know what that is, send me a, a note. I'd love to tell you all about it. Patrick at rsafeharbor.com. Now, back to the subject. Looked at the car and I went, that's a great car. And my friend seemed to become a little defensive, as Christians sometimes do, when you point out that they have bought something nice. Isn't that sad? But anyway. So he said, uh, yeah, yeah, my, my old car was in bad shape and, and God led me to buy this car. And I don't know why, but that day was just the straw that breaks the camel's back or whatever you know, metaphor, simile, or phrase you want to use. I said, God led you to buy this car. He said, yeah, yes, yes. And I said, just real quick question. Do you like this car? And he said, yeah, it's a great car. And I said, it, it fits your budget and it's gonna work well for you. And he goes, I really think it will. I think it's good. I said, wow, you dodged a bullet there, did you not? He could have led you to buy an old clapped out Yugo or you know, he could have bought you know, some banger like an Edsel that hadn't been restored. And he just kind of looked at me and I said, I'm not convinced that God's calling matches our desires. And I think you're a really good person who listens to Jesus and you draw really close to Jesus. But I like to talk to you about the way we phrase things. And he was very, very open. 
and I was trying not to be a jerk. Sometimes I can be a jerk. I really don't want to be a jerk. I really don't. I'm, I'm doing my best. <clears throat> I'm trying. But then again, my father used to say I was a very trying kid. So maybe that. Anyway, what is the calling of God? Generally speaking, when we talk about a calling from God, he is asking you to make a change, sometimes in location and vocation. Let's say that you're a manager of a local grocery store, a very honorable job and a very necessary job. Thank you for having that job and for serving your community in that way. But for some reason, uh, as you study scripture and as you pray, you're, you just feel like you need to do something else for God. And then you hear at church that there, there, there's a mission team going to, I'm just going to pick a country, Venezuela. And you think, I, I think I want to go. Extremely honorable. Why not? Great thing to do. So you go and you come back and you now you are convinced. God's calling me to upstakes, pull up the roots, <clears throat> Go live in Venezuela and serve him among those people. Again, super, super great stuff there. And it could very well be that he is calling you. Or you could be going through a series of emotions caused by your circumstances and your sweet personality that is really aligning with what you want to do and putting God's stamp of approval on it. Now, is that a sin? No, I don't, I don't think so. But I don't think we can call that a calling from God. Now, some callings from God have been rather spectacular. You know, Martin Luther famously, um, lightning and a storm was cracking all around him, and he, he promised God, I'll, I will serve you if you let me live. That's kind of a calling. But how about Paul? Paul, I guess, was just minding his own business, but in a dream, a man from Macedonia said, please come to Macedonia and help us. Paul interpreted that as a calling from God, and I had no reason to doubt that at all. It seems like it turned out really, really well for the Macedonians and for Paul, and that's a good thing. But it was out of his way. It wasn't where he wanted to go. He was headed somewhere else. And that's kind of a clue to me. When a calling of God scares you, that's when I would pay attention. Or when a calling of God frustrates you. Now for me, <clears throat> I've had obviously a life serving Jesus in various different ways. And I say obviously not because I'm just such a super Christian, but rather you can track me and I've been involved with faith things and church things and teaching all my life, even when I didn't want to, and that's the thing. I won't go through all of the story because we just don't have that time for a Monday morning, but the fact is I never wanted to be a minister, ever. I didn't train for it. I didn't get degrees in it. I wouldn't be qualified to teach at any college, much less um, a, a church-based college any book, any Bible, theology, or the like, because I don't have the degrees that the state and institutions and accrediting institutions require, and for, for good reason, they require these things. All of my knowledge and work with God has been done through wrestling God, because 
I was prepared for a life in science and still work in that. And I was prepared in a life in, of therapy, um, not doing it personally, but gauging results and, devise, and devising instruments to be used. <clears throat> By the way, instruments and therapy aren't like those little crook things Dennis shove in your mouth. It, it's a, these are testing modalities. These are papers and forms and, and processes, right? So then once you think I was hooking people up to electrodes, um, I, I wanted to, to play music. I wanted to do anything but, because I was raised by a father that was so committed to his church and his ways of doing things that we didn't get much time to play. We didn't go to parties. We didn't do the big birthdays. We didn't do any of that because it, if you tried, you'd be shamed because it's work for Jesus, work for Jesus, work for Jesus. And as soon as I could get out of that, I did. And I wanted nothing. And by the way, I can remember the first time talking to my dad saying, I would rather study this. It was an awful day. He went and grabbed a suitcase and threw it at me and said, get out. If I wasn't going to be a minister, get out of his house. So naturally, I didn't want to be a minister. And I kept trying not to be. Even when we returned to America in the mid to late 80s, I was determined not to be. And through a story we'll have to share sometime, but it would take like 10 minutes to even tell the short one. I ended up speaking again at a church and then the next week and all of a sudden I'm there nine years. Even though I'm doing my therapy work, I'm doing all, I couldn't get away. And so I started to go away and what happens? Boom, back in. When we left Colorado back around, what was that? 2011, uh, I, had, I was done. And then a church here in Franklin, Tennessee asked me to come a tremendous blessing. Oh, see, that was 2014. Sorry, 2014. Um, tremendous blessing. Loved my work there. And when that was ended suddenly on me, started this. But even at that point, two and a half years ago, I thought, well, I guess I'm done. And universities started reaching out to me because while I'm old, I have a body of knowledge that's useful in that little thin crack that they needed. The calling of God has been a burden on me and a joy. And I know exactly what David's talking about in Psalm 139 when he says, you got one arm around me and one arm on me and you are not letting me turn. And I get that now. And by the way, I love this work and I love you and I love, love being able to travel and see you. That's really, really, really cool. Uh, I love getting videos from you so that on a Sunday we're hearing from all over the world. That's brilliant but I was a very reluctant listener to the call of God. And I did not have a moment in a dream telling me to do this. I didn't have a moment of a great epiphany. Some people do. Well, how do we know if it's just us doing what we really wanted to do or not? I think most times it's gonna scare you or make you uncomfortable. But that shouldn't be the only judge. You need to figure out the calling of God. Uh, James worries, uh, warns us that, you know, there are, and, and Paul through Timothy warns us about doctrines of demons and false gospels. So if the calling of God on your heart will isolate you or elevate you or cause you to drop other obligations, it's not from God. 
let's say that my children were still at home, uh, young children, and all of a sudden I'm overwhelmed by the need in South Sudan. And, and brothers and sisters, you cannot overstate the need, the danger, the poverty, despair in South Sudan. It is just, there, there, are, there are no words. So I say, I feel the call of God. I've got to go help those people. That's very admirable. But if you go there and do that, what happens to my wife and my kids? Am I putting, taking them and putting them into danger? Removing from them chances to be around Christ, other Christians, chances to eat, chances to stay safe from the marauding peoples that come through all the time? What a, my responsibility to my wife and my children will never be trumped by a call from God because he gave me my wife and my children and they are my calling just as much as anything else is. What about the isolation? Um, I've met single people before that I just, I'm amazed. And they go do mission work and I'm amazed. So that's not the kind of isolation I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody who leaves their family or leaves their obligations, does not take care of their aged parents, whatever obligation they may have, but rather to go sit in a cave and get close to God for a while. I don't think God's behind that. And I think God's all about Sabbath and sometimes retreats for that for limited periods of time. But you need to prepare others for your absence and make sure your obligations are met. So be very, very careful, especially with any sudden emotional call that you don't always assume it's God saying you need to do this because it might just be you and your dreams. It might just be your big heart responding to a real issue. If God calls you, he will equip you. He will give you everything you need to do this job and he will not require you to sin by dropping other obligations or by elevating yourself up in a prideful manner to be in charge of this. He is going to, he's going to equip you. And, and that's, the true callings scare you, but they don't release you from other obligations to Christ and to his children who he loves. Um, when you get a calling, just think this, talent, your talents must fit his needs in this circumstance. So think about it. Do the math. I never make a move. Think, after I think I've got a calling of God, I never make a move without talking to at least a dozen people I trust. When we started our safe harbor, it had to be three dozen, four dozen, but there was a core of about 20 that I listened to, listened to, listened to that called me to do this. And then they equipped me to do it and helped me make sure my obligations were, were done. I, I took care of them. If you are called, he will take care of that as well. All right. If you want to look at a list of gifts that he uses, um, they're not by any means a complete list. There are many things not on the list, but Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, that'll get you started. So listen to it. He may send you somewhere, but it's probably going to be a little surprise to you. And by the way, what about you? Just real quick. 
you've never received a call from God, you now think you're gonna get a call from God. You don't know, but God's not gonna fail. He is gonna use you where you are with what you've got around the people that are there to do exactly what he wants done. So instead of thinking about what you would do if God called you, open your eyes and do what you can now. All right, follow-up questions, you know how to send them. Info at rsafeharbor.com. Thank you for those of you who give and subscribe and share this. We've been hung just below 3,600 subscribers for so long. Help us pop over that ridge, would you please? God bless. Talk to you next time.